Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. I'm Keith Caulfield, Managing Director of Charts and Data Operations at Billboard. And I'm Katie Atkinson, Billboard's Executive Digital Director, West Coast. How's it going, Katie? It's going great. How about you, Keith? I'm thrilled to be back uh, with you in a room together. In our lovely podcast studio in, our, in Los Angeles, California. In our glamorous podcast studio. You know what? Honestly, it's pr- it is pretty glam <laughs> compared to how we used to do things. Yeah, we used to do things in, <laughs> in a conference room, in wherever a bi- we could find some space. In a big, echoey conference room. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, as always, the Billboard Pop Shop podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. Today on the show, we've got chart news on how Seventeen, Esleban Armado, and Jack Harlow All debut in the top 10 on the Billboard 200 Albums chart. How Morgan Wallen's Last Night becomes the first song to concurrently be number one on both the all-genre Billboard Hot 100 and the Country Airplay chart. And how country king Luke Combs has reached the pop airplay chart for the first time with a cover of Tracy Chapman's top 10 Hot 100 hit from 1988, Fast Car. And I think we should talk a little bit more about that one, maybe even with your counterpart, Gary Trust, who is a Tracy fan and obviously uh, is the director of the Hot 100. Uh, So we have a little tidbit from him coming later in the show. Our special guest is Gary. Special guest is Gary. Also on the show, Taylor Swift has officially announced the next album that she is re-recording. Speak Now, Taylor's version arrives on July 7th, and we'll talk all about what to expect from the release. Sorry to anyone who had an album coming out July 7. Yeah, sorry. Sorry to you. Uh, a couple other little pop nuggets we're going to we're going to sprinkle in here too. Beyoncé's tour launch is coming May 10th in Stockholm. What songs do we want to hear? Well, we'll find out. All of them. Eurovision Song Contest launches this week. It's a big week for pop. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast provider so you won't miss an episode. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit billboard.com/podcasts. All right, let's do the chart chat first. Uh, First up, on the Billboard 200 Albums chart, Morgan Wallen's One Thing at a Time hits a ninth week in a row at number one, which is the entirety of its chart run. In doing so, it becomes the first album with nine weeks in a row atop the list since his own last album, Dangerous, the double album, spent its first 10 weeks at number one, which was its total run at number one. So if One Thing at a Time can log a 10th week at number one, Wallen will become the third male artist with at least two albums with at least 10 weeks at number one Mm -hmm. each, following Henry Mancini and Elvis Presley. (laughs) Because, you know, sure. Um, Although he's got some competition next week. For that 10th week. Does he not? Well, we'll see, because next week's biggest debut on the album chart will likely be Ed Sheeran, uh, who is no stranger to number one, having logged four chart toppers in the past. His new album, Subtract, dropped on May 5th. It arrived in both a standard 14-track or a deluxe 18-track edition on streaming services, digital download, CD, or vinyl LP. Speaking of vinyl... 
The album is also available in nine different vinyl variants. He's also got a plethora of CD editions, many in collectible packaging, like a signed edition, a lenticular cover version, a textured sand cover. I'm assuming it probably feels like Braille or something. A zine CD package. It's like a magazine with a CD mounted inside and so forth. Um, He's even got a box set, which contains a T-shirt and a signed CD. And... There's also two cassette editions of the album. It's really interesting to hear all of these different versions of this album are out uh, because this is a very quiet album for Ed Sheeran. Uh, and it's not, you know, unlike his last album, which uh, came out with uh, Bad, Bad Habit Habits. and uh, yeah, Bad Habits and uh, uh, Shiver and like had some real hits out of the gate, um, especially in his native UK. Uh, is this you saying this one does not have a lot of hits out of the gate? It, it, no, it doesn't. Yeah. And and that's but I think it's by design. It's a it's it's an album that's super personal and it's about like a really rough time in his life. Uh, he goes into this in his Disney Plus documentary about his wife uh, Cherry Seaborn being uh, diagnosed with cancer, his best friend Jamal dying, uh, and then he was dealing with his last copyright trial, the one over Shape of You, not this most recent one that just wrapped up over his song. Um, uh, thinking out loud. Thinking out loud. So it, this is what this album is about. The topics that he's covering in this album. He's he's sad. He's distraught. He's helpless. And literally, like you said, there's a version. It's a textured sand cover. Mm-hmm. Makes a lot of sense because all the songs are about like the ocean and waves crashing into him and taking yeah. over. I mean, it is dark. There's there's some upbeat stuff. Like it's there's some there's some things you could hear on the radio that are on there as well. But for the most part, this is a this is a album that it's like he needed to write, not one that he was like, let me get to the top of the charts. So we'll see what happens with, you know, him versus the behemoth of Morgan Wallen when he doesn't have the radio, you know, play that he typically does going into a new album like this. Feels like it could be. Uh, yet another album that debuts and peaks at number two behind uh, the train the train that keeps a rolling, Morgan Wallen. It could be. I think we've had seven albums debut at number two behind Morgan. Wow. Uh, I think it was... Uh, Miley Cyrus. Un- oh, she was three, because Twice was two, right? Yeah. Uh, Twice, Jimin, August D, uh, Metallica, Melanie Martinez, Seventeen... I want to say there's someone You said else. four K-pop acts there, by the way. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. Um, well, anyway, um, also on the Billboard 200, K-pop <laughs> boy band K-pop. 17 uh, nabs its highest charting album yet as FML opens at number two. Meanwhile, Esteban Armado's Desvelado. Did I get it right? Yeah, but I'm, I'm now I'm going to Google that word because I don't know what it means. Uh, debuts at number six, marking the highest charting regional Mexican album ever. Mm, sleepless. Oh, and only the second to reach the top 10 after the act's own Nostalgia debuted and peaked at number nine last year. And Jack Harlow's Jackman bows at number eight. For the latter, he also debuts at number one on the Top Rap Albums chart, the first number one for Harlow on that chart. Next, over on the Billboard Hot 100, Wallen's Last Night from the One Thing at a Time album continues to rule the list for a fifth non-consecutive week. At the same time, the song jumps to number one on the country airplay chart, becoming the first song to simultaneously be number one on both the Hot 100 Mm. and the country airplay chart. And the country airplay chart actually started in 1990. 
it's shocking that it hasn't been number one this whole time. I didn't realize. Uh, it was number one. Uh, on Hot Country Songs, but was, not Country Airplay. Right, because hot, both Hot Country Songs and the Hot 100 incorporate streaming and sales and airplay from sort of everywhere. Yeah. Whereas Country Airplay is just country radio stations. Yeah. So uh, it, it, last night was number one off of this on the Hot 100 and Hot Country Songs off of the strength of its streaming activity. And uh, Airplay is is uh, took took a moment. Well, uh, I heard last night playing at my local ramen restaurant this week, so that's a real hit. <laughs> it's arrived. <laughs> um, I thought you were going to say, I heard it on Coast. No, not, not yet, but I could definitely see it there. You know, Coast is going to love that Fast Car Luke Combs song that you mentioned at the top of the show. Well, speaking of that, uh, <laughs> Luke Combs takes his cover of Tracy Chapman's Fast Car to a debut on Pop Airplay at number 39, as well as number 40, on Adult Pop Airplay, and number 30 on the Adult Contemporary Chart. Coast, I believe, is an Adult Contemporary mm. radio station. Is it going to be Adult Pop? I think it's be, Adult Pop. Ashley might be Adult Pop. I don't know. It, Good I don't, question. I'll ask Ellen Kay next time I see her. <laughs> sure. Let's, let's get her on the pod. <laughs> well, it's the first time that Luke has ever been on any of those three charts, though he's had 19 top 10s on the Hot Country Songs chart and 16 top 10s on the Country Airplay list. So Fast Car, which was written solely by Chapman, was a top 10 Hot 100 hit for the artist in 1988. The song would later win the Grammy Award for Best Pop Vocal Performance, Female, and earn nominations for both Record and Song of the Year. Chapman herself won the Grammy for Best New Artist at the 1989 Grammy Ceremony. On Country Airplay, Combs' rendition of Fast Car climbs 45 to 31, and on Hot Country Songs, it holds at its peak of number two. Behind last night. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> we asked our own Gary Trust, who manages the Hot 100, the Pop Airplay, Adult Pop Airplay, and Adult Contemporary Charts, why he thinks the song is catching on with pop radio. So here's what Gary had to say. Yeah, I think it's a combination of streaming is really strong for the song. It's top 10 uh, among all genres this week in the U.S., 18 million streams. And it has built-in familiarity, being a cover. And those are two key ingredients for pop hits right now. The song has been remade as a dance hit before by Jonas Blue a few years ago. So it's been adaptable to different styles, different audiences. Uh, I think that goes back to the appeal of the song. It's got a really catchy hook. And its lyrics are about seeking something greater. It's a really hopeful relatable theme uh, and it's a car song so uh, those have always done well in, in pop music uh, Luke Holmes has been performing the song in concert for a long time so it's a fan favorite so a lot going for it uh, to become a very mainstream pop hit at this point uh, even as country as the song sounds uh, we've seen Morgan Wallen crossing over with Last Night and other songs Gabby Barrett Sam Hunt Florida Georgia Line they've crossed over from country to pop so uh, all these uh, songs no matter their genre have a chance at pop radio right now, Latin hits, even in all Spanish language, we're seeing those crossover. So Top 40 is really open to a variety of sounds and styles right now. If songs are working at TikTok and in streaming, the Top 40 is really interested. So uh, as long as this research is with audiences going forward at radio, uh, this has a chance to be a long-term hit on pop radio. You got a fast car. Is it fast enough so you can fly away? You gotta make a decision. Leave 
So uh, Gary says all the things that you know, um, you know, one can think of when it comes to why this song has has caught on. You know, it's it's familiar. Um, it built a strong base in streaming. Um, it had a dance cover a couple years ago from Jonas Blue. You know, it actually had two dance covers. Two? Yeah. Um, uh, the Jonas Blue one, but then there was also one. I, I'm not sure how to pronounce the artist. I think it's Tob Talk. T-O-B-T-O-K. Okay. Is that right? Let me just make sure. Yes, Tob, Tob Talk, um, which featured uh, an artist named River. Uh, but bo- that was like a Tropical House version of it. Okay. And then Jonas Blue had an EDM version. Uh, like, this song has been sort of bubbling in the culture, so there's probably some younger people who think that Luke Combs covered, covered the Jonas dance Blue. songs. You know? I don't know. <laughs> I, that's, there are. That, there definitely are, Keith. <laughs> sure. We'll, 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 we'll believe that. But, you know, it'll be interesting to see, you know, where this song goes on, um, you know, pop radio and what this can do um, in general for, for Luke, Luke Combs' audience and, and his reach, um, you know, and he's probably going to reach people that probably never really listened to Luke Combs previously. A hundred percent, because he is a real, like, core country artist, um, you know, just country sounds. His voice just sound cannot sound anything but country. He's country. He's country. It's not like Marin Morris jumping on the middle and sounding like a pop hit right away. Like, you can't just throw Luke Combs on a Zed song, you know? So the fact that he's having this uh, kind of pop crossover moment is a little unexpected. Um, but it's not unprecedented. There are lots of other, um, you know, country songs that have come over to pop, as Gary mentioned. Um, but it just, it, I'm, I would not have guessed this for him. Um, and apparently, uh, you know, he's performed this song for a while now uh, before this album came out and released a snippet of it uh, more than six years ago. Yeah, apparently. Um, so this is sort of like a fan driven thing, too. Like they loved it. They wanted it. Uh, and he released the official version. It's obviously paying off. And uh, our executive of the week, I believe this week, uh, Luke, or was it last week? Luke Combs's manager, Chris Cappy, um, he... He said to Billboard, this song is an iconic masterpiece, and we all felt that it was the perfect song to cross over to a new audience that we didn't particularly have. Yes. Yes. The answer is yes, Chris. That that is correct. Uh, Yeah. And he also was asked whether uh, they had been in touch with Tracy herself. Right, Keith? Yeah. And and, and people want to know that because Tracy herself has not released a new album, a new studio album since, I believe, 2008 and has not toured. Uh, like proper shows since 2009 and yeah. she's made a few isolated random like solo single song appearances but she's not exactly out there right now no like at all at all so you know I think you know one of the immediate questions you have is hey has Luke talked to Tracy yeah what did uh, what did uh, Luke's manager say about that? Chris said, "Our labels and teams have been in communication in parentheses with Tracy's team, and we were always going to follow her lead. Luke nor I have spoken directly to Tracy. Hmm. This is her song, and we were going to live within any parameters she had for her song. We are just happy we were able to release it and see the response of fans enjoying it." Now you don't actually have to, I guess, in theory, get permission from someone to cover the song. To pay the rights uh, holders. Pay, yeah, you're just going to pay them. Um, but unless they changed lyrics or right, something. Right, which brings me to the he did last— not change the lyrics. The last time I heard Tracy Chapman's name on Billboard.com, aside from those dance covers, was when Nicki Minaj— I think she full on released a song with a Tracy sample. Oh, yeah, you can't Without do that. approval. That's and they were different. like, yeah, no. 
and it got pulled back real well, that's quick. That's different because you know when you're using the actual master recording of something, you have to get permission. Remember, she full on like before her album came out, like sort of like uh, put a gun to Tracy's head via Twitter. It was like, you know, the only thing holding up this album is Tracy Chapman saying yes, and I, they did not get the answer they wanted, obviously, because they did not run with that song. N- n- nothing like uh, uh, Nikki sort of taking sort of the light and you know. Uh, 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 non-confrontational road (laughs) yes oh my gosh um and you know it's funny the way that he described uh at the end of that quote about how they wanted to live within the parameters she had for the song this is a very faithful cover of the song so luke didn't change the lyrics to the song and billboard actually asked luke's manager about how uh, one of the verses uh luke sings and I work in a market as a checkout girl. Right. He still says checkout girl. Yeah. I'm like, well, I as a checkout girl. And they're like, we didn't want to change the lyrics. Well, I'm he, like, well what he you, would have literally had to get Tracy's permission to change the lyric. I believe so. Yeah. Which is probably why it's like, they were probably like, well, we're not going to change any of the lyrics. Or maybe Tracy said, don't change the lyrics. And they're like, all right. Can we talk about the fact that this song, It's. I feel like it's the... One of the best examples of just like how incredible songwriting works in the sense that these lyrics are very specific. They've got a lot of detail in them. Uh, it sounds like one person's very specific experience, and yet it gets covered by somebody who's clearly could not be more opposite from Tracy Chapman and right. her like world, and it works because it's like something that's so specific that it creates a universal feeling. And I feel like when you think about great songwriters, that's what they do is like somehow you know, being very detailed while also being very universal. So this song is just special in that sense. I mean, I I can vividly remember hearing Fast Car. I don't remember the first time I heard it, but I do remember, like, at the time, and I was a young person, I was like, this, this song is so specific, so vivid, mm-hmm. so, like, cinematic mm-hmm. um, that it sticks with you and it haunts you. Yes. But it's also, it's... It's it's sad, but it's also hopeful. Yeah, because it just seems like such sort of like a desperate situation that someone's trying to sort of like find a pathway out of. You're and stuck, it, but the fast car can get you out of it. It's like we we can get out of here. Yeah, we got a fast car. Yeah, we get out yeah. Of here. Why do, why are we here? Why do we have to stay here? Why, why we, can't we get out? Uh, yeah, and 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 be and that's sort of the power of incredible songwriting, great storytelling, and how the power of a song can, you know, because when a, when a song is great, it can be transformed into a trap house song, into a dance <laughs> right. song, into a country, country country-esque cover by all sorts of different kinds of artists many decades later. You know who else is a great songwriter? Taylor, Taylor Swift. Swift. Uh, And she announced that she is re-recording her Speak Now album. Uh, This is, of course, uh, the third re-recording that she's endeavoring upon. I'm going to say she's probably finished re-recording Speak Now. uh, Okay, fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) The the next one she's going to fire up. She hasn't even started yet. Um, Speak Now came out in uh, 2010. Um, It was uh, her third album. And uh, it's like the big hit off of that. Well, Keith, I'm glad you asked that question because <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> no, I sparks fly. That was on I'm there, just wasn't gonna it? Go up here and, and tell you. I mean, there were a lot. Of, there were a lot of uh, of you know radio hits. One second. Sorry, I'm gonna scoot back up. The first single off of it was mine, 
Um, back to December was after that. These were a little quieter than some of Taylor's other um, songs. This was still she was still in full country mean. mode. Yes, you remember Mean, The Story of Us, Sparks Fly, and Ours. Those oh. are the six singles from All this right. project. I'm I'm going to admit, and I'm I I I, I don't I'm, I'm not super familiar with those songs in okay. the way that I was with I think later work. Yeah. Um, but this was still when she was still a a rising country star yes. in a way before she sort of had like incredible pop crossover. Yes, and. Um, you know what's interesting, Keith? What's Do you inter- remember? <laughs> what's interesting, Keith? You know what's interesting, Keith? <laughs> this is what I was, I, I told Keith yesterday, I'm like, I'm going to save this for the podcast. Oh, yeah, Katie has apparently a surprise for me. Well, Taylor you're... Swift is outside. <clears throat> Gosh. Remember in March, ahead of the Eras Tour launch, when she released four Taylor's version songs that seemed really weird and random, and there was like two from The Hunger Games and there was, like, uh, one that she'd never released before. And then there was If This Was a Movie was one of the songs. Oh, there were four songs total. And If This Was a Movie, that, that was, I want to say that was from that was from a movie, wasn't it? Um, if This Was a Movie was uh, on the deluxe version or a deluxe version of Speak Now. Oh, okay. Well, that would sort of hint at maybe what she was but, doing. But, Keith. <laughs> but... It was the only song of all the songs on the main album and all the rest of the deluxe album or songs from uh, Speak Now that had a co-writer. And wait, so all the songs on Speak Now, she solely wrote? Solely wrote. Except for if this was a movie. If this was a movie, apparently the person who's the co-writer on it arranged it and Uh got a co-writing credit from the arrangement. Huh. And... The reason fans are saying that she released that song early with, like, the I think the cover art on it, like, on Spotify is, like, for uh, Fearless Taylor's version. Yeah, Fearless Taylor's version. It's, like, or Red. I don't even know. One of the other Taylor's versions. She's trying to keep it completely separate from Speak Now because she wants everything on this album to be a Taylor Swift written song. Why? But that's important. That's cool. Yeah, but, oh, oh, but... I think it's the first time she ever solely wrote everything on the core album. And so it's like she wa- I think that's what is going to be her big like selling point that's for like Speak the Now. Hook. Yeah. It's like this entire album was written solely by me. Yep. And, and so all the uh from the vault songs now uh are going to all be Taylor Swift. And when you say written. from the vault, what do you mean? Well, Keith, I mean in the Fearless and the Red uh re-releases, she has songs that um that never were properly released, but were written within the same time frame of those songs. And uh, she typically brings in friends to collaborate on those. Uh, Phoebe Bridgers is on one from Red. Chris Stapleton is on one from Fearless. Uh, they often have, I think Ed, Ed Sheeran, somebody, I think Ed Sheeran might be on one as well. That is uh, the songs that fans might know about. They might have had like some random leak or something, but like they never were properly released, and now they are the from the vault songs of this era. So how many Speak now how era. many from the vault songs is she going to? I don't know that Speak we now? do. We have I, the I whole list. I think she said list? there were six. I just I think she said the number is okay, six let me make in sure. her tweet. Let's look. She said there were six from the vault songs. All right, Speak and this now would Taylor's this version. would be in addition to any of the songs that. So the idea is that the re the re the the Taylor's version edition of the album will have. Uh, new versions of all the songs from the core standard album, plus all the songs that were on any deluxe editions and variants that came out at the time, plus these from the vault tracks that have never been recorded and released. Yeah. 
And I think she said there were six of them. Okay. I think. Um, Albums currently available for pre-order now on TaylorSwift.com. Yes, you're right about that. So um, there'll be 22 tracks, six of which are from the vaults. Interesting. Yep. Well, I can. Here comes another vinyl record week. For I mean, Taylor. can we just say right now, like she's already all over your Billboard 200 chart, and now she's about to put a new one out in the world. Yep. New records are coming. Is all I'm I, saying. I, I, I'm <laughs> once again to all of Team 13 that doesn't listen to me. <laughs> yes. Um. I. You know, she had such great success with the. Um, Record Store Day exclusive Mm -hmm. um, of the Long Pond studio sessions Mm -hmm. of Folklore. Made me think, well, what's she going to do, you know, for Record Store Day Black Friday this year? Like, why not put out the Taylor Swift Holiday Collection? Mm, You have been talking about that for a while. Look, I love Christmas. (laughs) I love Christmas music. So does Taylor. So does Taylor. Why can't Taylor take her existing, uh, the Taylor Swift Holiday Collection EP, Add Christmas Tree Farm, the Taylor's version. Yeah, this is... Plus a couple extra songs. Put it out on a uh, single LP because Christmas songs are generally short. They would probably fit onto a 43-minute long uh, vinyl album. Record Store Day could have a color exclusive... A red one and a red, green one. Red, green. You know, and maybe then a confetti red, green. Snowflake swirl. <laughs> yeah, snowflakes. I don't know. Silver. And, and then, and then, like maybe, uh, like a week later, the standard black variant, and maybe something else comes out on a wide release to all. Or like maybe Target gets the red version because she loves Target. Maybe they could put like pine tree needles like in the in the vinyl. Yeah, they, you could. <laughs> Like, Maybe uh, it would smell like, like scented, like evergreen. Like you know, what if what if there's a version that has like cut up snowflakes out of a piece of paper that's oh, in, how inside? Cute. You know, ta- Taylor herself cut. That Taylor herself cut. <laughs> Signed by her. Each snowflake is different. I, I I feel like that might bump up against some chart rules that we oh. have around uh, certain kinds of packaging. Oh my gosh. Um, Should we talk about a couple other little pop hits? Yeah, we, can we talk- have time, Keith. Yeah. Okay. We, we totally have time. Okay. Um, first of all, the uh, Beyonce Renaissance Tour is launching this week, actually Wednesday. May 10th in Stockholm, Sweden. That's correct. By the time you hear this, it could have already launched. And the, We're clearly not there. The Bayhive uh, already knows that um, there were some leaks coming out about songs that Beyonce was rehearsing. People apparently like recording audio from outside of her rehearsal arena. Well... Uh, the word on the Twitter streets is that uh, an employee <laughs> of the Stockholm venue, a former was, employee, f- was let go because they were the ones leaking it. But um, the one that surprised me the most, because obviously we're expecting Renaissance songs, was "Dangerously in Love," according to the leak. That is the title track of her uh, debut solo album. Uh, which, of course, included Crazy in Love, but Dangerously in Love was a little bit like lower key of a song, so it's kind of surprising huh. if she pulls that one out. I love that song, by the way. So, um, yeah, that's launching. I'm going in uh, September, Keith, by the way. At SoFi? Yeah, at SoFi. I mean, it's September. Is that the end of the tour? I bought tickets. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. I love that that's a shocking thing to say. But I did, like, I wanted to make sure I would be in that building and... Are your, tickets, my spot. are your tickets good? No, they absolutely are not good. <laughs> They're terrible. They're second from the worst. They're in the parking lot. Uh, the worst were literally all obstructed views. So I was like, I'm going to at least go second to... How much did they cost? Oh, do you really want me to say that on the air? Yeah, I'll tell you. They're uh, $200. Each? Yeah. Yeah. 
to be like, you know, in the very top I, section. I had sticker shock when I was looking at Madonna's ticket prices. Oh, man. I'm like, they're effing crazy. Yeah. And I, I'm totally okay with saying that because ticket prices are effing out of this Have world. Have we talked about this, that I really want to go to the Palm Springs Madonna date? I think that's the smallest venue she's playing. Exactly. That would make the most sense. Exactly. It's a two-hour drive. Sure. All right, we're getting off topic. Yep. Beyonce. Also this week. Oh, I was going to switch. Well, wait, well, oh, I we're just, back to Beyonce. I just, I just want to say, um, you know, we assume that she's going to play all of the, the Renaissance album, or most of it. Um, and, uh, you know, I would imagine that she will probably do lots of medleys of songs that we know mm-hmm. because, you know, that's that's the only way to kind of fit in as many hits as she has. Um, it'll be interesting to see, like, what songs she digs up from the past because now her catalog is so vast. Well, and her style has shifted so dramatically like, from do, the beginning. It's like, are you, how do you, how, but, but, you know, much like sort of other um, contemporary superstars who are sort of visionaries in the same way that Beyonce is, she can take older songs of hers and kind of reinterpret them yes. to kind of reconfigure oh, them. Oh, imagine to make them all—they're the, all dance remixes in the mold of Renaissance. That'd be amazing. Do we think that she's going to do the Queen's mix of uh, Break oh, My Soul? Oh, man. Well, it's, if Madonna and Beyonce are touring at the same time, we should really look at their schedules, schedules and see when they are near each other. Do they float past one another? Right. Mm. <laughs> and then Keith will book that date for the Beyonce tour. I, it's it's so weird. Like, I, like I've always enjoyed Beyonce, but it's weird. Like, I, I really, 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 really like the Renaissance album, I think, more than probably any other Beyonce I album. I love Renaissance. And I'm like, I'm really jazzed about seeing this show and I've never I've never felt that way about a Beyonce concert before. I've always liked her but I've never felt compelled to see it. Yeah. But something about all of the visuals, the vibe behind this entire album, everything everything she's selling I'm buying. So She's doing three dates at SoFi. I look forward to seeing the show. All right. Well, also this week, Eurovision Song Contest. That little thing. And uh, it's technically hosted by the Ukraine, but because of the conflict in the Ukraine, the UK will be hosting it on their behalf. All right. And uh, I heard by reading an article that um, I read. that the UK is like really like gunning for it because of like hosting it this year. Like apparently, you know, they're just like really like all in on winning because they're hosting. Huh. So we'll yeah. see what happens there. Yeah, I mean, I think the most famous winner of Eurovision in the past, I would say, is still ABBA with Waterloo. Yes. And I believe it was 74, I want to say, 73, 72, early 70s. Yeah. Um, though I, when I was sifting through all the winners of Eurovision, I saw this, a song that Celine Dion sang one year actually won. Yeah, and it was, uh, you know, obviously she's Canadian, but she was representing France. Aha. Uh-huh. Right? I believe the song was in French as well. Was she representing France or was she representing, like, Quebec? as like a French province or something. I don't, I don't even know. know. I don't know. <laughs> it's only a matter of time before America becomes part of Eurovision. If Australia can be part of Eurovision. They tried to do the American Song Contest and it did not, you know, was not the, the thing they wanted it to be. I mean, half the fun of, of watching any elements of Eurovision is just sort of the sort of outlandish spectacle performances that uh, you will only see on Eurovision. Yeah. Um, so by the time you hear this, uh, the semifinals already some of the semifinals already took place on May 9th, Tuesday. Then I think they have a second round of semifinals. I want to say it's the 11th. And then the finals are this Sunday, I And if you're not in Europe, which you probably aren't if you're listening to this podcast. Hey, you never know. Podcast about U.S. charts. Um, but <laughs> We are global. Um, but we do have an article on Billboard.com about how to watch Eurovision, you know, anywhere. You can, you can apparently, apparently in America, you can watch it on Peacock. 
There you go. I believe that is how. I have Peacock. It's great. You do? Yeah. Oh, I don't. It's, they have a, well, I feel like I'm just like. Hyping Peacock? Yes. But there was a, there was an offer that was $1.99 a month. I was like, yes, I can 100% afford Two dollars a month Look, for this service. We've already got Netflix and Disney Plus. Oh, and I need my Bravo shows though. Like Dan messes with my Bravo shows recording, and then I'm like, I'll just go to Peacock and watch them. Oh, all right, <laughs> yeah, all right, uh, all right. Now okay. is it time for the chart set? I think it's time for the chart set okay, of the week. Let's do it. All right. Well, as Morgan Wallen holds at number one on the Hot 100 with last night, it got me wondering what other stars with country hits have also hit number one on the Hot 100. So, Katie. Which of the following songs did not hit both number one on Billboard's Hot Country Songs chart and the Billboard Hot 100? Okay. Didn't have to be at the same time. Just which at of, some point. Which of these songs did not hit number one? I know on all both four charts? of these songs. You should tell the people what the four songs are. Four before. songs are Glenn Campbell's <laughs> "Rhinestone Cowboy," boom, boom. Dolly Parton's. Here you come again. Jeannie C. Riley's Harper Valley PTA and Kenny Rogers' Lady. These are all incredible songs. Oh, they are. They absolutely are. But one of them did not hit number one on both charts. No disrespect to the legend co-hosting the ACM Awards on Thursday, but I'm going to choose Dolly Parton's Here You Come Again. You're correct. Yes. Uh, Here You Come Again was a number one country hit, but it hit number three on the Hot 100. Yes. Uh, it was her biggest Hot 100 hit up until uh, she topped the chart in the 80s with 9 to 5 and Islands in the Stream. I figured putting 9 to 5 or Islands in the Stream there would have been too much of an obvious gimme. Yeah, I, well, I, I just wasn't sure if Here You Come Again topped the Hot 100, and I was right. Got real close. <laughs> um, well, there you have it. A uh, little sort of uh, country pop crossover chart. <laughs> Think of a bob um, for your chart stat of the week. All right, we've reached the end of our big show. Um, what else do we want to say? Any parting words? Man, Ooh, a, I, a fun I, variety. A fun variety. Um, uh, uh, so at the top of the show, we were remarking about how Katie and I are back in the same room together. Sometimes it's really obvious when you listen to the show that we're not clearly in the same place. Um, hopefully, we try to make that sound as seamless and right. audio quality as possible. Right. But we also understand that sometimes we just simply can't be together in the same place. Katie, uh, two weeks ago, was just like, Keith, you're not here. Where are you? And I didn't say where I was at because I have a weird thing about not saying that I'm actually physically out of town because <laughs> I'm like I don't know there could be someone trying to break into my house but, now we can talk about it because you're home but now we can talk about it I was away working but I was away and I wasn't anywhere for work but I was on quasi vacation but I was working at the same time yeah I went to Washington D.C. for the first time mm-hmm. I went to Rome for the first time oh man and then I was also in London which I'm also frequently Rome's at. crazy huh Rome was amazing. Yeah, it's and, wild. It's so big, and so there's so much going on. It's big, and yet all of the sort of major kind of touristy attractions mm-hmm. are all within walking Centrally distance. Centrally located, yeah. Like, I mean, I had a, a tour of the Colosseum, and we walked onto the arena floor. Yes. And, you know. And then you, we'll stumble over to the Trevi Fountain from there. Just literally went over <laughs> the Trevi Fountain and then walked over to the Vatican and saw the Sistine Chapel yeah. and looked up to see Michelangelo and oh. God and David. And, oh, Crazy. my God, it's just nuts. Yeah. And and then I'd never been to D.C. before and, you know, saw the Lincoln Memorial, like, like I'm feet away from Lincoln and then went inside the Washington Monument to the top of it and and took, took a tour of the Capitol and saw where the crazy people rioted. And um, sorry, um, 
tried to get a tour of the White House, but that couldn't make that happen. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but it was amazing. And also D.C. DC was also incredibly um, tiny in terms of like all the major things that you that a tourist would want to see are within walking distance. Yep. I'm not working for the tourism bureaus of either of these places. And I don't work for Peacock. Um, but, you know, <laughs> I it, and I, I didn't really do anything music related at either of these places. Okay. But, you know, I mean, you probably saw a street performer in Rome, I'm assuming. Maybe. Not really? I did actually ask, (laughs) I I asked our tour guide uh, of the Coliseum, I said, has anyone performed inside Mm. the Coliseum aside? And she's like, I think Andrea Bocelli was the only one. Wow. Because he did it for some big thing. Yeah, I I feel like I remember that. I I feel like they live streamed it. But she's like, no, it's not really, it's not really set up for that and Mm. blah, blah, blah. But I mean, it was, it was wild. Just crazy. You know, standing in the middle of history in both, in both cities. Yep. Um, anyway, all right. Sorry about that. No, I'm sorry. I don't know. It's great. It's exciting. Um, all right. Any parting words aside from all those parting words I just said? Uh, no. No? I don't have any parting words. Uh, I don't know what we should go out on today. Do you Uh, have any ideas? A, uh, a, a, uh, Beyonce song? Sure. Telephone, oh, which she'll I'll, never do with Lady Gaga, apparently. Um, but I'll I'll give. I th- we actually, I feel like we've gone out on this song before. We've we gone out on Beyonce's Countdown because it's my absolute favorite Beyonce song. Uh-huh. Okay, well, if you can't remember, then Beyonce's Countdown, please. All right, we'll go on that. See you next time. Bye. Bye.